0: Almighty God, as we've heard the good news of the resurrection proclaimed from the reading of the gospel, Lord, make it effective and powerful among us this night, Lord, apply to our heart through the preaching of the resurrection as well. So come, Lord Jesus, and open up our hearts to receive the word of God. May it go deep into our lives. May it bring transformation and renewal, Lord, that we may face the days to come in the victory our Christ has won. And be with me, Lord, the preacher. Give me the ability to speak the ability to proclaim the good news, the best news that has ever been told. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen, risen indeed. Hallelujah. And, of course, we've added the new liturgical element of the knocked-over cowbell during the reading of the gospel. <laughs> And that's how liturgy happens. Years from now, people will be knocking over a cowbell at that point in the gospel reading, and no one will know why, but it started here at Christ Church. Okay, <laughs> yes, sir. I love that, you know, a reading from Genesis. Again? <laughs> you were thinking the same thing, I know. You just wouldn't say it out loud. <laughs> Well, okay, baby Andrew, Elias, Bizzle, I know that you've got questions. What in the world have they just done to me? They took off all my clothes. They dunked me in water. They slathered me with oil. I feel like an ingredient in an Iron Chef competition. Well, it's not what we have done to you, but what God has done to you. As they say, the Lord has put something on you that the doctor cannot take off. Because you have been baptized, all of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection are now your personal story. Smart little boy. And listen, that doesn't just mean that you've been told a story really well. It means that as far as God is concerned, because you are united to Christ in baptism, all that has happened to Jesus has happened to you. I know this sounds crazy, but listen to what the Bible says. We heard it tonight. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, a while back, one of the so-called New Atheists, Bless their hearts, they're not new anymore. They're so 2004. (laughs) They're such has-beens. But one of those folks sneeringly asked, so what if Jesus was raised from the dead? So what if he was raised from the dead? The implication being that if the resurrection occurred, it doesn't really change anything. Well, St. Paul tells us that Jesus' resurrection changes you, Elias, and every one of us who have been who have be, who have believed on the Lord Jesus and have received holy baptism. And I know you're thinking, I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, well, how can this be? I see it on your face. <laughs> well, it's like this. The way that God has ordered his human creation was that Adam was the representative of the entire human race as the first flawless Human set in, set apart in God's paradise. God entered into covenant with Adam in the covenant of creation. The covenant of creation. That's right. That's right. We're talking Reformed theology right here. We've gone from looks like Catholics, sounds like Charismatics. Now talking like Reformed people. Sounds like an Anglican church to me. <laughs> so he was, in fact, the in effect the federal the covenant head of all humanity. But when Adam sinned and rebelled against God, he and all his descendants became subject to death. That's what it says back in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. We are all united to Adam. We are in Adam, as the Bible says, as the head of the human race, and we all experience the consequences of Adam's sin, every one of us. Yes, even you. Well, hey, that doesn't seem very fair, you say. Well, very good, Elias. You're already thinking like an American. Good. (laughs) Let me tell you why, though, it's good news that this is not fair, that it is good news that we receive... It is good news that we receive the consequence of one human representative. There is good news in that. It is because we were all united to Adam, and because of his actions, we all received death. And we think, well, Lord, I don't deserve to suffer because of Adam. But because we were united to Adam in that... It now means that when, we, that when we are united to the last Adam, he's, Jesus is never called the second Adam anywhere. He's called the last Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When we are united to the last Adam, the full and complete representative of humanity provided to us by God, Jesus Christ, we receive, because we're under his federal covenant headship now when we receive him, We receive forgiveness, we receive His righteousness, His life, and His glory that we do not deserve any more than we deserve what Adam put on us. See? See how that works? I love that. That's how the Puritans like to talk about this, by the way. It's not fair that God should grant us what we have not earned, but rather confers it's not fair that God should grant us what we've not earned, but rather confers upon us, imputes to us, the merits of Christ. That's because grace isn't fair, thank God. Grace isn't fair, thank God. Romans 5, 17 and 18, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. He's our head. Therefore, as one trespass, Adam's sin led to a condemnation for all people, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Now, I know that's a little hard to follow, but you are a bright boy, and you can handle it. (laughs) When we baptized you, God united you to your new covenant head, Jesus Christ. Now, Elias, do you know what that means? It means that you died tonight. You died tonight. And this is so true that when you take your last breath in this earthly life, little boy, you can say, No big, been there, done that, have the greasy head to prove it. All baptized believers are like Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead in John 11. After he had died once, death could no longer hold any terror for him. Can you imagine if Lazarus was threatened with death by the Romans or by the Jewish leadership because of his association with Jesus? Uh, Can you imagine that conversation? He would just laugh. I've already been dead once, and Jesus took care of that then. I don't think you will be much of a challenge for him when he calls me out of the grave again at the last day. So tonight, the old Elias, the Elias that was in Adam, was crucified with Jesus so that you do not have to fear death and so that you no longer have to be a slave to sin. Sin is not your master. Death is not your master. Listen to what we heard from Romans again. We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, I know what you're thinking. I already hear you. You're speaking up right now. You're saying, wait a second, Father Ben, I'm just an infant. (laughs) Does this really count for me? Well, it certainly does. God has acted sovereignly by grace and covenant love to unite you to Christ through this sacrament of baptism. That means that all of God's saving grace has been poured out on you tonight. And on the day, which we speak of this in our baptismal liturgy, on the day that you in faith open yourself to that grace, the circuit will be complete, and you will have in effect, you will have effectually, in effect, that which you now possess by title. This is where the so what of Jesus' resurrection applies to you personally tonight, and not only Are you a participant in Jesus' death? You and all of the baptized, born-again believers are united completely to Christ's resurrection victory. And because all of us baptized believers are united to Christ, we don't, listen, we don't have to wait until the last day. This is what Paul is saying in in Romans chapter 6. You don't have to to wait until the end of time for the power of the resurrection to be released into your life. Christian, why would you stay a slave to sin? Why would you go around like that? You've been raised to victory. To live a transformed, supernaturally joyful, Holy Spirit power-dripping, abundant resurrection life now, every single one of us, including you. And that is exactly what St. John Chrysostom was proclaiming in his great Paschal sermon that we hear every year here at Christ Church St. John unites us to Christ's victory in that wonderful, wonderful sermon. And so, church, some of you know how we do this already. Please stand. During the reading and the, once again, really preaching of St. John Chrysostom's Paschal Sermon, when I point out to you, when I point at you, you shout, and yes, I mean shout, back the same phrase that I just said. If you've never done that, don't worry. Folks here already have. Just follow what they're doing. So get ready and hear the Paschal mystery proclaimed by St. John Chrysostom. If any person is devout and loves God, let him come to this radiant, triumphant feast. If any person is a wise follower, let him enter into the joy of his Lord rejoicing. If any have fasted long, let him now receive refreshment. If any have labored from the first hour, let him today receive his just reward. If if any came at the third hour, let him keep the feast with thankfulness. If any arrived at the sixth hour, let him have no misgivings, for he shall not be deprived. If any delayed to the ninth hour, let him draw near, fearing nothing. If any have waited even until the eleventh hour, let him not be alarmed at his tardiness. For the Lord will accept the last even as the first. Therefore all of you enter into the joy of your Lord, rich and poor together, hold high festival, diligent and heedless, honor this day. Both you who have fasted and you who did not fast, rejoice together today. The table is full. All of you feast sumptuously. There's more wine than usual in this carafe. <laughs> the calf is fattened. Let no one go away hungry. Let the feast of faith, enjoy the feast of faith, receive the riches of God's mercy. Let no one bewail his poverty, for the fullness of the kingdom is revealed. Let no one weep for his iniquities. For forgiveness shines forth from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He who was held prisoner by death has annihilated it. By descending into death, he made death captive. He angered it when it tasted of his flesh. Isaiah saw this and he cried out, Death was angered when it encountered you in the lower regions. It was angered. It was angered. For it was defeated. It was angered. It was angered. For it was mocked. It was angered. It was angered. For it was abolished. It was angered. It was angered. For it was overthrown. It was angered. It was angered. For it was bound in chains. It received a body and it met God face to face. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what is seen and fell upon the unseen. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? Christ is risen! Christ is risen! And you were overthrown. Christ is risen! Christ is risen! And the devils have fallen. Christ is risen! Christ is risen! And the angels rejoice. Christ is risen! and life reigns. Christ is, risen. Christ is risen, and not one dead remains in the grave. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the first fruits of all who have fallen to sleep. And to him be glory and honor even to eternity. Amen. Amen. Amen.